We are back with another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. We're through week two of the NFL football season. I hope you guys have all been enjoying the year. I know I certainly have. It's great to spend your weekends around football. I know Thursday through Monday are my favorite days of the week, definitely. Um, And, you know, there's always some crazy stuff. I guess this is what I'm going to lead with. There are always crazy storylines to begin this season. Uh, Imagine sitting before the season and thinking, okay, By week two, the Miami Dolphins are going to lead the AFC East, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to lead the NFC South. Not the Saints, not the Panthers, not the Falcons. The Buccaneers will be ahead of all those teams in the standings. And yes, the Dolphins, with Ryan Tannehill coming back from his uh, his torn ACL last year without Nadama Kung Su, they're going to be ahead of the, the, the Patriots, the rising Jets by all means, and a Bills team that was in the playoffs last year. I feel like this is another just simple reason why we can't over-exaggerate the opening parts of an NFL season, especially in today's NFL. We've got teams who don't participate in the preseason. We've got players who don't participate. They take the preseason easy. And these first two weeks are essentially getting everybody's feet going. You're going to tell me that the Dolphins are going to lead the AFC East by the end of the year or that the Bucs are going to lead the NFC South. No, they have... Two of the more empty rosters in that division, but have had great starts. These surprising week ones, um, week twos as well. Um, one of the biggest things that I was critical about last week was everyone just blowing up that Broadway Sam is going to lead the New York Jets to the Super Bowl. You know, Sam Darnold, third overall pick. How could the Giants be so stupid to pass up on him? That's a different discussion, but but nevertheless, everyone is praising Sam Darnold as the next god. He tore apart the Detroit Lions, who... You know, if you look at their game against the 49ers, are 0-2 now, and probably for a good reason. But then Sam Darnold goes in, plays against the Miami Dolphins, and uh, it wasn't pretty. You know, if we're being honest, the quarterback rating dropped from 116.8 to 74.6. He also had a 16-point decrease in completion percentage, and he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Let's pump the brakes. It's early in these guys' NFL careers. It's early in their seasons. You know, I just am tired of, I have had multiple arguments with other guys who consider themselves NFL guys or, you know, NFL writers, NFL reporters that are that are sitting there after week one and they're literally typing out that this is a Jets team that's going to make it to the Super Bowl. A Jets team with Sam Darnold who works better out of the pocket than in it, has one of the worst offensive lines probably in the league. The defensive line is thin. You know, coaching is okay. I understand the offensive game plan is, is, I like the offensive coordinator. He's definitely one of the better ones in the game, Jeremy Bates, but I'm not big on the head coach. And, And yet they're supposed to take this massive leap from one of the worst teams in football to the playoffs in just one season. That doesn't happen. You know, I, at the beginning of the season, I gave kind of what I believe it takes to have a playoff contender or a good team. The first thing was depth on the O-line and D-line. And what do the Jets not have? Depth on the O-line and D-line. You know, I I like to have them, I think playoff teams need at least an average or above average NFL starting quarterback. Sam Darnold has the potential to be that. I think that his ceiling 
is top 12 quarterback worthy. I don't think he's a god, but I don't think he's going to do terrible. But I don't think he's there yet, and he certainly has shown in his first two weeks, you know, some nice flashes. But he's also shown that he's a rookie quarterback, and he's the youngest quarterback ever, and it's going to be bumpy. Yet I've got people sitting at their laptops, you know, talking into microphones, saying the Jets are the next big thing. They're taking the storm, the league by storm this year. No. This is a prime example of, of how people need to just take a step back from their computers, get off the radio shows, get off the podcasts, and kind of just realize the surroundings of the NFL, realize what has changed in the past offseason, realize that so much is going on right now that we don't know who the Super Bowl contenders are. We can have a few ideas. Minnesota, one of the most complete rosters, and they upgraded a quarterback last year. Super Bowl contender. Jacksonville Jaguars, the best roster in football. Super Bowl contender. The Patriots, always Super Bowl contenders. Of course, it didn't look pretty last week. They made some moves again to uh, kind of bump that back up. We know who the Super Bowl contenders truly are, but only about three or four guys. But to, to make the jump at the beginning of the season and say that a team that was way at the bottom of the league last year is going to make massive improvements um, just based off of the week one performance that we saw, and they're bound for the playoffs, bound for the Super Bowl. I agree. They've made some nice steps to start the year. I thought week one was a good showing, a good confidence builder for a young quarterback that's going to go through some ups and downs to begin his NFL career. And, you know, I think they're going in the right direction. But, you know, I think week two, if anything, is just a lesson as to why we need to pump the brakes. The second big reason why we need to kind of just take a take a step back and learn from what we know, and this is one that we haven't learned yet because they came out in week two and really just tore things apart as well, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I, I'm not ready to hop on the hype train that, you know, in an extremely tough NFC South where they were predicted by almost all is the last place team that they're going to ride through this momentum, be a playoff team by the end of the year. I don't buy that. And it specifically looks at Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has done a tremendous job. I am not trying to take anything away from him. I think that his play has guaranteed himself easily a few more quality starts with Jameis Winston back whenever he does come back from that suspension. I think the way Fitzpatrick has played, the way the offense has looked, it obviously seems that it works better with him. So until he falls or, you know, takes a step back, it, it should be his job. But let's take a look at... Uh, two seasons specifically when he was in Buffalo, um, 2011, 2012. Those are two of the three years, I believe, that he played all 16 weeks. So let's start with 2011. Um, quarterback rating through his first three weeks was 103.5 through the rest of the season. 73.1. A massive drop off. 2012, very next season. Quarterback rating through the first three weeks, 95.2. Still a very good number. The rest of the season, 80.8. It's it's very easy for us to look back, just take from what we know. We know that Ryan Fitzpatrick has had hot starts to a season before. He did it in 2011, 2012. He's doing it again in 2018. But if you look back at what we know, it's not sustainable. He comes out. He looks great. And then the season goes on. And maybe I, I, for whatever reason that it is, it falls apart. So, you know, I'm not saying that he hasn't done a good job. I've been very pleased with his performance. I thought he's been one of the better players in football the last two weeks to start this season. And and, and a great job kind of adapting to the starting role on the fly with Jameis' suspension. I think he's earned himself another few starts because of, you know, the mix of Jameis, 
you know, having issues off of the field and just, you know, the way the offense looks. I mean, Deshaun Jackson kind of disappeared all of last year because Jameis Winston couldn't hit him on the go routes and couldn't hit him deep. Ryan Fitzpatrick has hit him deep in both games now. I mean, the offense just seems to be clicking better and seems to be working better with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center and in the shotgun. You know, Jameis Winston is kind of working on his last leg here. He, he's running out of time. And, you know, this could be the nail in the coffin for him if it, if, it, if it shows that another quarterback is more capable of working in that offense um, better than he is. So, you know, we've learned the lesson with Sam Darnold, hopefully, in this week two performance. Let's pump the brakes. He's going to be, you know, he has potential to be a top half of the league quarterback in that top 12 to 15 range. I see that potential. He looked great in week one. Um, but then obviously came back to earth in week two. And I think we're going to get a season more of week two's performance than week one's. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we haven't necessarily learned it yet because he hasn't gone out there and shit the bed. And, hey, those two stats that I said, it was through the first three weeks. We're still in week two. They play Pittsburgh next week. Maybe we'll see it again. Maybe he'll dominate the Steelers who look at, you know, like a shit show right now. And maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick will, you know, have the best numbers again through three weeks of the season. But... If history shows us that it's not sustainable, I'm putting more faith in that, especially with the fact that he is older now. You know, he's really hitting the end chapters of his NFL career. Um, Of course, starting off his final chapter with a great story, um, I just don't think it's sustainable. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer and I I believe what I know and, you know, I trust what I know and I'm not going to throw out stuff of unknowns. Because this league always returns back to the same things that, that, that show us year in and year out what makes a good team, what makes a good player. Yes, the overall look of the league can change, but at the end of the day, if you have a uh, solid offensive line, solid defensive line, take a look at Philadelphia. They great up front, average quarterback play during that postseason run, and they beat you know the Patriots, who are, a, who are a dynasty over the last decade and a half. Take from what you know what makes a team successful, what makes a player successful, and don't, you know, put out stuff that, you know, is going to bite your ass at the end of the season. Because some of the takes that I'm seeing are hot. They are fuego, fuego, fuego. And by the end of the season, we're going to be looking back and laughing at these takes. So let's just step away from the computers. Let's understand the way of the NFL, how everything works. And then let's progress with week three. And what a better <laughs> transition to contradict myself as we head into our next, our, our next subject, um, discussing my guy, my guy since draft day two years ago, Patrick Mahomes. And I know I just went on about a 10-minute rant of how we don't buy in to the hype of, you know, a week one or a week two blowout. You know, what teams look good, what teams look bad. Let's wait and see. And I'm not doing that. When we talk about Pat Mahomes, I I am not saying here that I am buying the hype of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have the worst, maybe, bottom bottom tier defense in the NFL. I mean, aside from Eric Berry coming back off an injury, it looks rough. And so, you know, I'm not buying the hype of the Chiefs at all, but I'm buying the hype of Pat Mahomes. And I've been buying the hype. I've been been sipping sipping the uh, Kool-Aid since the 2017 draft. Since this NFL season began, he's been the best player in football. And not not even just that. He is the best fit for a quarterback in Andy Reid's offense. 
Let me just go through. When I evaluate quarterbacks, there are certain things I want out of a quarterback. The first thing is a big frame. Pat Mahomes, check. You're, you're more sustainable throughout the course of a long career or a long season. You're more, you're, you, know, you handle bigger shots from defensive linemen better. You, you have a relatively healthy career. I also like my, my quarterbacks taller. I understand the exceptions of a Russell Wilson and stuff like that. Baker Mayfield, potentially. I like my quarterback to be big. I like him to have a huge arm, huge frame. Pat Mahomes checks that. Next thing I look at, powerful arm with a fluid motion. I've heard a lot of people, and I've actually, I actually had an argument today. Someone was telling me that big, strong arms don't matter in the NFL. And I, I, I just want to talk about that real quick. Just let, look at some of these names and tell me if they have had success because of their big arm. Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Dan Marino. Those are some of the strongest arms to ever play the game. And they're some of the best quarterbacks of all time. Those are four examples right there why, why that argument is wrong, that big arms do not matter in the NFL. When you have a bigger arm, you have the ability to take deep shots consistently. You can throw those 60-yard bombs to Tyreek Hill. You can, you can you know, when you have a, a, a receiver slip through the coverage, you have that quick ability and that quick motion to just gun it down the field. And we've seen that from Pat Mahomes do it, what, I believe three times already. Not even just that. On short routes, you know, you know, stuff that's not the the goes or you know your post stuff like that. Not nothing, you know, in the, working in the short and intermediate game, a strong arm gets the ball out faster and it gets the ball to the receiver quicker, which gives the receiver more time for yards after the catch, gives them more time to assess where they are on the field, and you just have more time to create plays, all because of a strong arm. So I don't want to hear that strong arms don't matter. My favorite quarterback of last year's draft was Josh Allen. He's got one of the strongest arms of all time. He's just around a terrible team and a rebuilding team. Josh Allen is going to have a good career if Buffalo can figure everything else out, but he's got the arm and he's got the frame. He's got the body of a quarterback that I like, just like Patrick Mahomes, except, you know, of course, Mahomes has more upside in my eyes. You know, another thing I want in a quarterback is mobility in the pocket. Got to look comfortable. Got to be able to move your feet well. And you got to have the ability to run. <clears throat> you know, some of the bigger guys, Big Ben can still take off. Andrew Luck can take off. They're bigger guys, but they can move and they can get the first down when the pocket when the pocket collapses, when there's, you know, yards available up front. Pat Mahomes can do that. You've seen it already. There was a few plays where he took it outside of the pocket and ripped it on the run down, you know, across, you know, across the field, stuff like that. He's also run, ran for some first downs. And then last thing I want in a quarterback is confidence. And he that he gets triple checks. He gets the uh, double check, triple check, whatever you want to call it, um, in, in confidence from Pat Mahomes. I mean, you can just tell that it's not even just confidence in himself. It's the entire team, the entire organization has confidence in him. You don't draw up these design plays for 60-yard bombs if you don't have confidence in your quarterback. And if you're a quarterback and you don't have that confidence, you're not taking those shots. Pat Mahomes... If there's a shot to be taken, he's going to take that. He is going to rip it. And yes, the completion percentage may not look pretty on some, on some plays. He's not going to hit it every time. He might overthrow the guys even. But I want my quarterback to be confident in his ability. And that's just that, that's what Pat Mahomes is. He's got all the confidence, and it helps when the team's got confidence in him. So I know I just talked about not buying into the hype, not you know overblowing, over-exaggerating the first two weeks of football. The only difference is, is that I've been saying this stuff for 
years now, since the, since the draft process. He is my highest rated quarterback since I've been evaluating over the last three drafts. He has been a top, he's been above a Jared Goff, a Carson Wentz. He was above a Deshaun Watson and Trubisky in his class. And he's above all the five in this first round. He is truly the, the best guy that I've seen at the quarterback position since I've been looking. And, you know, I think he's kind of exceeded my expectations. You know, I he's... He's on a trajectory trajectory right now to be a top five guy by the end of this season along the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson simply by the end of this year. And you want to say it's not possible, Carson Wentz did it by year two as well. The only thing is Pat Mahomes sat his first year. So now we're seeing it. We're seeing one year. We're seeing what I believe potentially by the end of this year, if he continues this and the offense continues to develop and he's still able to hit the deep ball by week 15, week 16, he's a top five guy at the position. You know, it, I, I just read an article today, an anonymous AFC defensive coordinator said that if you were to pick an MVP of the NFL right now, it's, it's Pat Mahomes. The numbers are absurd. He's been, you know, as as risk as big of a risk taker as he is, he's been careful with the ball. He has zero interceptions, ten touchdowns. He's not. It's not that he's just feeding a top wide receiver in Tyree Kill. He's hitting you know the fullback on on a play action play. He's hitting the tight end. He's hitting Sammy Watkins. He's sharing this ball around to everyone. Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. Um, Spencer Ware. The way that this team is set up offensively can sustain for years and years to come, which is great. They they don't have, they have money tied up in some of these guys. I understand that. But while you got Mahomes on your rookie scale contract, like we've seen successful organizations do in the past, like Russell Wilson, you know, Carson Wentz as well, um, they're able to take their guy once they realize they've got their franchise quarterback. They go and build around the defense. They build the offensive line. The Chiefs have the ability to do stuff like that now. They can upgrade everywhere on that defense over the next few years. Draft all defensive players because when you have your franchise quarterback, it makes drafting, it makes free agency so much easier because you don't have to worry about that position, the most important position in football. So yes, I'm not buying the hype of the Chiefs. I think offensively, they're the best team in football. Defensively, probably the worst, which is why I think it kind of will stagger as the year goes on. Of course, injuries remain to be seen. We never want to wish injuries, but it, it you know, the depth is even concerning on Kansas City. So even some of those guys that are performing off the bench or performing in that starting role may look okay to start off the year. It won't look like that in week 9 or 10 when they're gassed and they they don't really have anyone on the bench that can sub them out for a series. There's a lot to love in Kansas City right now. Um, I love Pat Mahomes. I've loved him for years. And I think he's kind of just, you know, he's kind of blown me away as a guy that's been all on him since he was drafted. He has over-exceeded my expectations. I think it's a beautiful fit with Andy Reid in this offense, and I really think you're going to see, by the end of this year, a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Moving on now and just, you know, kind of looking at the landscape of the NFL, how things are shaping up over the first two weeks. We've got seven teams that are 2-0. and The uh, Miami Dolphins, like we already spoke about, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we've discussed, the Chiefs, we've already discussed Pat Mahomes, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Los Angeles Rams. We also have nine teams that are winless. Um, you know, the Bills, the Raiders, the Browns, the Steelers, Texans, Giants, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, and the Detroit Lions. And so I'm going to give you my teams that I feel most confident in to su sustain the early success that they've had 
And then on the flip side, I'm going to give you the teams that I think are more most likely to turn it around after being winless to start the season. So the 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 three two and O teams that I believe can sustain the success to the most. Whoever of, of these list of teams that I think will have the best season, um, you know which ones I fall think will drop off are the others. Um, first off, the Los Angeles Rams. They're two and O to no surprise, of course. They have had two wins against, you know, fairly easy opponents. The two teams that are, you know, that haven't won a game yet. The Arizona Cardinals, which, who they shellacked last week. They absolutely mauled them on Sunday. And then week one against the Raiders, which was, you know, looked like a much closer game. But you got the feel that Los Angeles really didn't turn things on until the second half. Um, up and down, this team has the most talented roster. Or, or I don't, you know, top to bottom. You've got stars in essentially every position group except linebacker. Um, you know, the secondary is great. The pass rush is amazing and will continue to get better once they're comfortable playing against each other or playing with each other, um, should I say. They've got the best offensive scheme in football. There's no team that has a better offensive design or look than Sean McVay. You've got an average quarterback or an above average quarterback, I guess. I'm not the biggest golf fan, but I think he fits well in that scheme. You've got the best running back in football for my money in Todd Gurley. You've got a plethora of wide receivers as well. Good offensive line. The Rams have the most, you know, they have the best looking team on paper. And, you know, out of these teams that are 2-0, I think they're going to have the best season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a team that is contending for a Super Bowl championship come February. Um, the second team that I think, you know, on the flip side, looking to the AFC, the team that I think is more uh, most able to sustain the success is the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I'll talk more about their Week Two matchup uh, against the Patriots in a, in a couple minutes. But you, you know, I I've been all on the Jags for well over a year now. You've got the best corner in football. You've got two defensive MVP candidates, in my opinion, in Miles Jack and Yannick Ngakwe. The 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 the, the defense is one of the best of all time. It's not even just, you know, the best defense in football right now. It is one of the best of all time. It will rival some of those great defenses from, you know, uh, the early 2000s, um, you know, looking at that Ravens team, looking at that Bears team, the Seahawks a couple years ago. This is this is going to look, at the end of the day, one of the best defenses in football along those lines. Um, my biggest question is, is Blake Bortles on the offense and at quarterback. But as we saw against New England, and like I said, I'll discuss this in a few seconds, it definitely looks a lot better than it was last year. Um, so I think that those two teams, specifically the Rams and the Jaguars, have the more uh, sustainable track to keep the, this winning going. <clears throat> and then the third and final team that I guess I'm okay with accepting that I think they'll have a good season is the uh, Denver Broncos. Um, you know, it, it's not going to look pretty at all times. They, you know, had to come back from, you know, down late to beat the Raiders. But I thought what you saw was a lot of grit from that team. Um, I, I like their defense. Um, you know, it's it's not as great as I think everyone assumes it is. Everyone on there has gotten a little bit older. Um, it's definitely not the defense that it was two years ago, but they've also added nice depth to kind of fill in for some of their shortcomings. And on offense, they, you know, they have the biggest upgrade of all at quarterback because they have, you know, <laughs> they have a quarterback. You know, I can't, you know, you, you couldn't say that they had one last year. Definitely not a guy that was um, capable of starting. You know, Case Keenum's not a perfect quarterback, but he gets the job done. And, I've, I, you know, he's he's a confident quarterback. He, I talked about how I like confidence in my quarterbacks. Case Keenum's got all the confidence in the world. You see that on the field. You know his receivers love that. Um, you know, they've got Phillip Lindsay, a, a running back that came and kind of just shocked the world these first two weeks. He's looked like one of the better 
um, running backs in, in an offense that desperately needed one. So the Broncos are another team that I look at. You know, I had the Chargers winning this division. I think that's still possible. Um, but, you know, of these 2-0 and teams, I think the Broncos could, at, at the end of the year, be contending for a wild card spot or even the division over Los Angeles. So the Jaguars, Rams, and Broncos, I'm buying to sustain this early success. Dolphins, Chiefs, Bengals, Bucks, I'm not so high on. Looking on the flip side of things, uh, you know, the teams that are winless, who I think are most likely to turn things around, um, of course, those teams that are winless, the Buffalo Bills, the Oakland Raiders, uh, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, Houston Texans, New York Giants, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, and the Detroit Lions. I got three teams that I think are more than likely to at least turn it around. I'm not saying they're going to have amazing seasons, but I definitely don't think they'll be at the bottom of the league that they are kind of tied into currently. Um, first off, and this is probably the easiest one to say, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, this was a team that I thought at the beginning of the season in my preview, I think they were almost my Super Bowl pick. I thought they could represent the AFC. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, if you're asking me, I'm still tied between them, the Chargers, and the Jaguars. Uh, you know, Patriots as well. You can never not count them, but I don't think that they have the necessary talent right now to contend like these other three teams. Um, so the Steelers, obviously, I believe, can turn things around. I think Big Ben looks amazing. Uh, all the stories from the summer is that he slimmed down. He has taken care of his body in the offseason, and you know he's looked pretty good to start the year. I know the Cleveland game to start off the year wasn't pretty. Weather conditions, whatever. First game without Le'Veon, kind of working out, but week two against the Chiefs, he lit it up. And I think for the rest of the season, we're more likely to get we're more likely to get a week two performance from Big Ben than we did from his week one performance. So I like the Steelers' defense. They did get torched by Reed and Mahomes. I don't think it's as bad as that. Um, they've, they've still got to work out the Kings, figuring out those that linebacking unit especially. Um, but I believe the Steelers will turn things around and still be able to contend for um, the division at the end of the year. Uh, next team that I think is most likely to turn it around, um, and I'm not saying they're going to have a good year, but you know, of these other teams, I think that they will have one of the better records of the group. It's the New York Giants, and uh, you know, I wanted to put them as you know my sleeper in the NFC, whatever. At the beginning of the year, I was a lot higher on them than I am now. I think offensively, they have you know grade A talent, except for at quarterback, um, and I guess at, at parts and pieces of that offensive line. But at defense, they look fine. You know, everyone wants to say they got smacked by the Giants, and yes, offensively, they did not look pretty. But I believe Dak Prescott, besides that one long touchdown to Tavon Austin, that was just, you know, a trick play, essentially, kind of slipped through the back of the defense. He had 96 yards, I think, besides that play. So, uh, you know, I'm not buying all my stock in the Dallas Cowboys, um, but I'm also not selling all my stock on the New York Giants. So, you know, my biggest issue, of course, is everyone's biggest issue. It's Eli Manning. He just, he doesn't look fit to be a starting quarterback. I, he's kind of jumping into that range of, you know, there might be some backups out there that can do the job better than he can. Um, but you look at the, the arsenal around him, and it, trust me, it's a tough two weeks to start off your season. First off, you have to go against the Jacksonville Jaguars, best defense in football, an AFC, a Super Bowl contender, um, to say the least, and then you go and play Dallas with a, an extremely strong uh, defensive line. You know, they've got you know Zeke who can really pound the ball. I don't like them offensively that much, but it, it, it was a tough two weeks for the Giants. And I do think you know their schedule isn't easy. No one's schedule in the NFC is easy, 
but I think the Giants are manageable to get some wins toward the middle and end of the season to make the record look a lot better than, you know, the likes of the Bills and the Raiders and the Browns. Um, and then the last thing, the last team that I believe is most likely to turn it around is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, <clears throat> you know, defensively, it, it's a mess. You know, you've got a few players here and there that can make plays. You know, I'm not buying any, you know, success that Michael Kendricks had last, you know, I guess it was last night or yesterday um, against the Bears. He had a few nice plays. How long is he on the team? How long before the NFL gets rid of him? Um, to be, you know, determined. I also think that just the defense is older and lacks depth. Um, but when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback, and like I said earlier when I was talking about Mahomes, he's, you know, Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in this league. And when you have that, that is guaranteed to give you a few wins. Um, I also think that, you know, it, it's unfortunate that he has to play so, behind such an atrocious offensive line and that Doug Baldwin is going to miss a decent amount of games this year. They don't have Jimmy Graham anymore, the rushing attack. What is it? Rashad Penny, is he going to come on later into the season? Um, but when I look at some of these other teams, the Bills with Josh Allen, the Raiders with Derek Carr, the Browns with Tyrod Taylor, the Texans with Deshaun Watson, Sam Bradford kind of with the Cardinals, and Matt Stafford with the Lions, if I'm picking between any of those teams that I think will turn it around the most, I'm going with Russell Wilson because I've seen him carry bad teams before. You know, he did a, a decent job last year with a pretty banged up roster, a pretty desperate roster. Um, and I, you know, I, I like to bet with what I know. And what I know is Russell Wilson is a top talent and top talents can contribute to wins. Um, so the teams that I'm definitely, that are winless right now that I think will turn it around and separate themselves from the rest of the group uh, by the end of the year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, and the Seattle Seahawks. Last thing we're going to talk about today, and this is something, you know, I, I listen, no one's going to get every every player right. No one's going to get every team right. You know, everyone's bold predictions or their hot takes might come back to bite them in the butt here and there. Um, and this is one that I've kind of made a staple of any of my work over the last couple of years. And that that it's that Blake Bortles is a uh, is a bottom quarterback in this league. And I'm not even just talking starters. I think there are a decent number of backups that are better than Blake Bortles. Um, there are a ton of guys that I would start over him. Um, and, you know, he went out on Sunday and played the best game of his career. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I, I am not trying to take it away from him and say that he's, you know, on this great stretch of, of playing football um, and that I've been wrong all this time. No, Blake Bortles went out and played the best game of his career. He looked great. He played aggressive. He played with confidence. The team had confidence in him, which I think was the most important you know, comparing their loss to New England in the AFC Championship to their win on Sunday, it was it was literally just confidence offensively and in, in, in the passing offense. In, in the second half of the AFC Championship game, all they did was run the ball with Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, TJ Allen, Chris Ivory, whoever was back there, they ran the ball. They didn't have faith in Blake Bortles to step up on third and seven and throw the ball. And then the Patriots came back. Couple things went their way. Blake Bortles couldn't complete that last pass, deflected by Stephen Gilmore, and the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. The Jags, you know, seemingly lost that championship game because they didn't have faith or confidence in their quarterback and in their passing offense. And then here, week two in the NFL season, they did just the opposite. They were throwing with three minutes left, one minute left in the game, you know, doing all that they could offensively in the passing game to make sure that New England couldn't creep back in because they were. They were getting through there. The fourth quarter, it was looking, oh man, 
same story, different day. You know, Patriots are going to come back and win this again. And everyone who doubted, you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, um, you know, whoever had too much faith in the Jacksonville Jaguars, what are you thinking? We know what we know. And Blake Bortles, Doug Marone, um, Nate, Nathaniel Hackett, they all said, F that. We're going to change things up. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to be confident in our passing game. We're going to trust our receivers. And we're going to walk out of Foxborough with a win. And they did. They looked like the best team not just in the AFC, but potentially in the league. I know I, if you had to tell me, if you had me pick who the two best teams in football are right now in you know each respective conference, the AFC is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the NFC is the Los Angeles Rams. They both have tremendous talent up and down, and I, I have strong faith in their coaching. One of the things that I will say, though, and it's something that I heard when discussing Blake Bortles in this performance is he's doing this all with, with no wide receivers, they, he's got nothing in the passing game. They lost Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and what do they have left? And Blake Bortles just went out and you know shoved it, uh, you know gave the middle finger to the Patriots and walked out with a win. This wide receiving group is better than last year. You know I don't know what you guys were looking at. They also don't have Marquise Lee. This receiving group is better, younger, and fits better in this offense. It's a lot of 50-50 balls. You need big receivers. That's why you get. You know, a Dante Moncrief, a Keelan Cole. You know, those two guys do a great job of getting up and getting those 50-50 balls that got huge frames. D.D. Westbrook is is an is a tremendous young receiver. He should have been a first-round pick uh, in two drafts ago, and he was, he's looked great so far. You know, Austin Zafarian Jenkins is definitely an upgrade from Mercedes Lewis at tight end. Mercedes Lewis couldn't stand on the field, you know, a full game last year. This team, this offense is so much um, better at receiver last year, and yet everyone, because they only know that they know the names of Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. They don't know the names of Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, so they just assume, oh, I've never heard of these guys. They must be worse than Hearns and Robinson. Look in Dallas. What's Allen Hearns really doing right now? You know, Chicago, Allen Robinson had a good showing. Mitchell Trubisky fed him the ball a lot uh, on Monday night. But, you know, I mean, you look at how it fits in the offense more and how it specifically fits to what they're trying to do. And D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, and Dante Moncrief just fit better. So am I ready to say that this, you know, Blake Bortles is officially, you know, not, you know, at the bottom tier of quarterbacks in the NFL? No, I think he still missed a few throws in the game. Um, you know, I, I, and I still think I, you know, I need my quarterbacks to be able to hit the easiest routes in football, the five yard outs, the slant routes, and he's missed those on a routine. It was a great week for Blake Bortles and it was a great start to the season, but I will say I was impressed. He's definitely not as, you know, he's shown me so far this year that he's not as bad as he was last year. I think he's made massive improvements this year on the field. I think the team has a lot more confidence in his play. And if that happens, this Jags team is set up for a Super Bowl because confidence in Blake Bortles was what kept them out of traveling to Minnesota last year. But if they have it this year, they'll end up in Atlanta. And for now, that'll wrap things up. Uh, thank you guys for listening again to the Blake Pace podcast. We'll have another episode coming out uh, I believe Thursday morning, kind of previewing the upcoming week, talking some of the bigger storylines that happen around the league. Um, this week, we'll definitely get into Josh Gordon of the Patriots, kind of what that changes, uh, maybe a little more film evaluation, what I saw from certain teams, but that'll come out Thursday, kind of the schedule we're going to stick with a Tuesday night, recapping last week, Thursday morning, previewing the upcoming week. 
And yeah, I'm excited. We'll probably have a guest or two back on um, in Thursday's episode, but I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Let me know what you like about the show, what you hate. Probably won't change what you hate, but you know, I like the uh, the input. We'll catch you next week, guys. Take care.